Craig and Mike drove to the Skype headquarters in Sausalito to talk about the fake static setting. They were angry. <laughs> <laughs> Sausalito? Really? Is that I where they no, are? No idea. <laughs> they're, they're not, they didn't move them all up to Redmond? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Gates and his mob of gangsters dragged the Skype crew back to Redmond. Episode two two seven. It's a podcast with a guy and a guy and a guy on Skype. I remember the episode title this week, <laughs> and uh, and not with Marla Gibbs. Oh, the did, star of two two seven. Did you want to go there? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering if you would catch that, <laughs> just in case, and because we have extra plugs and holes. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see if Jim has anything to say about that. In the year of our Lord, 1506, we set sail from the cold bay of Cork. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the show right now on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Don't rhyme. Don't rhyme. Dear God, it's too early to rhyme. <laughs> uh, How you doing? Do you want to eat some tripe? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> to... <laughs> uh, this ends in sorrow, flames, and despair. It's good. Good morning, everyone. Welcome from Milwaukee here in the latter part of July. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. Were you a fan? Oh. Of, were you a fan of two two seven? No, uh, <laughs> I, I don't usually do this sort of thing after my time. Quite, I was in grad school, I think. With Jack Hay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, as, I, I was, as the, I was aware the, of it. The the sassy neighbor. <laughs> That's all I really remember about the show. She, Marla. Was it that her name? Yeah, it was Marla Gibbs, Marla but Gibbs. it was a different character than yeah than who she played in the Jeffersons. Yeah, it was a I thought it was a Jefferson spinoff. No, no, but what happens show. is Jack A got her own spinoff from Two Two Seven called Jack A. Jack called Jack A, <laughs> which, which I learned when I looked up that YouTube video this morning. And that I, lasted, and that lasted like a season, right? Or two. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah, that, that's a website, isn't it? All the sassy neighbors in all the different TV shows <laughs> over the years. Welcome to TV's Sassy Neighbors. We should do a sitcom rundown sometime mm-hmm. with all the sassy neighbors and you know make make the list of that, make the list of the one that comes up on the Bob and Brian radio show that we listened to is uh, years ago they they got into making this list of like there was a a period of time in sitcoms where um help like you know the the the, the like the maids the and maids the butlers and, the butlers and, and everything yeah, yeah. Was, oh, a, sure. was a big thing. Oh yeah, like, there was Late always 70s early 80s. There's always domestic help. As a character, yeah. <laughs> and, and Schneider, well, and 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 Schneider and Bookman and people mm-hmm. like that were offshoots of that. They were like you know yeah, the yeah, people that sure. worked in the building that maintained the the apartment. Bookman was that that was from Good Good Times. times. Was, he was yeah, the, he times, was yeah. he was the super on I never, Good Times. Somehow I missed Good Times. Remember uh, uh, what's her name? The sassy neighbor, whose name I'm forgetting. Uh, Walona called him Booger. No, I don't, because I never watched Good Times, because somehow I missed that one. Wow. Yeah, Good Times was actually really good TV. I enjoyed it a lot. 
Apparently, I'm kind it of was, upset it was that I, I... really good TV until John Amos left. <laughs> Correct. No, that's exactly right. Because John Amos was that show's moral center. And he famously left because the show stopped being about showing the struggles of a black family in the ghetto and started being about dynamite! What was Uncle that... Jesse doing on Good Times? What? That's Denver Pyle. Huh? John Amos. Oh, from Roots and Stamos. <laughs> Isn't that Uncle Jesse? It's a different John, Uncle Jesse, yeah, and I, right? And I, I thought you were dying. also wacky neighbor. And I thought you were talking about Denver Pile Uncle Jesse from the Dukes of Hazard. The Dukes of Hazard did not have any domestic help. No. No. Unless you count uh They were just Daisy. family and did stuff for each other. Enos and No, no, those like <laughs> those guys don't count. I don't think Boss Hogg ever even had a did we ever have any inkling of him having his, a maid his or a butler life? or something? I we saw his so. wife. I, is think, all. I thought he lived in that back room in the, the saloon or <laughs> his wherever. His office at the Boar's Nest. Boar's the Boar's Nest, nest yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Roscoe P. I mean, look, if you're looking for the, the Jeeves to his Worcester, it's Roscoe. But... We've had a uh, we had an in-depth conversation with you about James Best and Sorrel Book as a comedy yes. duo. Yeah, yep. Wildly, wildly under, you know, look, you get the paycheck, you get the gig, and you do the show, and that's what you get graded on in my book, and they did wonderfully. But no, going back to, to John Amos, yeah, that's, you're exactly right, Craig. That was, that was a, a mini scandal. I can't imagine what would have happened had there been an internet, because <laughs> it, it was written to be a show that talked about what was going on in the projects of Chicago, where it was set, and in other communities. And and when suddenly J.J. Walker took off, every and and well, let's face it, J.J. Walker wanted it to be about J.J. Walker. Yeah, because cocaine is expensive. And <laughs> and, and oh, that's fair, especially when it hasn't been stepped on. Right. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't and, actually and, mean underfoot. I understand. Yeah, and. <laughs> Cut with baking powder. Oh yes, oh, yes. hopefully <laughs> something inert. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to say as opposed to fiberglass, <laughs> asbestos. Cut it with asbestos. <laughs> that can't be good for the nasal passages. <laughs> like I got nose cancer. Is, but... How'd you get that? Uh, mm. Cocaine. <laughs> what? <Yeah>. But... <laughs> How's your nose cancer? <laughs> right, that's a kind. That's a kind of cancer. I think you can get. A, you can. Unfortunately, you can get any kind of cancer. Oh, I think if you've got a cell there, you can get a cancer in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the logic of it, right? But, yep. but John Amos was an incredibly good actor, and and he brought, as I say, he brought a moral center to the show, and played a character that not all of America was ready for. You know, a guy who was a little bit of a rolling stone and a little bit of a, you know, he had problems and he had struggles and many of them to do with the racial politics, the racial issues of the day, and to still try to make the show funny. That's what Norman Lear did, right? But well, that yeah, was the hallmark that, of every one of his shows is that it, sh it shone, each of them shone lights on social issues in different ways. But, you know, they, they, they shared all that in common and they were funny. Right. And that's and that's incredibly difficult. And that's 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 the mastery of the form that he had, but but you need somebody like John Amos or like Carol O'Connor, sort of his opposite number, to to have the subtlety of an actor to make them human, make them funny, and yet 
point to these issues. So, yeah, yeah, good times. Good to definitely. It's actually. It, I watched. I actually watched a couple episodes on YouTube not long ago, and the as you say, Craig, the early episodes they hold up. They totally hold up. I've watched some sometime within the last few years as well. They Is that on absolutely, Netflix? They absolutely hold up. <laughs> Might be on Hulu, yeah, or yeah. at the very yeah. least, you can you can usually dig up a handful of episodes of some of those shows from that era on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Yep. Um, Jim, until they until they catch them. So, um, are you using your fancy microphone today? You sound. Great. I am. You sound. Great. I am. I, I'm on magic mic. I'm <laughs> on my wife's magic mic. Wait, hold on. No. Are its jeans like halfway down, or they, they are? <laughs> Is it sweaty? It's, t- it, 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 it's just like a Telefunken U47. You love it. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know if uh, if the, does the sound sound any better to you on your end? The uh, I'm getting <clears throat> I'm getting a little crack at the high end. You know when the volume goes up, but other oh, okay. than that, it's good. It's and good. um, yeah, <laughs> I happened to stumble across something. Uh oh, this is a this is a, another equipment update. Equipmonk. For those of you who are fans of the league, Equipmonk. Equipmonk. Um, although it doesn't involve anything you can see. I happened to stumble across, as I was saying, um, this article on the internet, and we'll link to it. It's very long, and we're not going to read very much of it. But it talks about uh, software and how software deceives you into thinking that something is happening when it's not, or that something is happening when something else is happening. Um, it, they're called benevolent deceptions. <laughs> um, okay. And the, here it lists some examples here. The, uh, benevolent deceptions can hide uncertainty, like when Netflix, speaking of Netflix, automatically loads default recommendations if it doesn't have the bandwidth to serve personalized ones. It'll just throw up a bunch of stuff, sure. and posters for a bunch of things. Um, it can mask system hiccups to smooth out a user's experience, like when a progress bar grows at a consistent rate, even though it... Totally not representing anything that's going on in the background. Just makes you feel better. Makes you feel better. Yeah. Hey, look, stuff's happening. It's loading. It's you, loading. Even though it totally may not be, and it might be loading very slowly all day and night and the next day. It's pooping the bed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or help people get used to a new form of technology, like the artificial static that Skype plays during quiet moments in a conversation to convince users the call hasn't been dropped. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. Artificial <laughs> static? Well, we have a podcast here. We don't want any of that noise. <laughs> I don't know. Do we want this show to sound old-timey radio? No. We got Jim on here. He can do old-timey radio voices. Well, if you if you Jim, do the rest of the show in the transatlantic <laughs> accent. Go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the city of Milwaukee. I'm Jim Ozaskin. I'm happy to talk to each one of you. Craig, it's a good afternoon and I hope we have a splendid day. Will that voice be irritating in my Kickstarter video? Because <laughs> I'm thinking about having Jim do, hey. yeah, do a 1920s transatlantic radio guy. Not a bad idea. <laughs> just, just for the record, if you look, and you know, we've had some folks look. The city clerk's office in the city of Milwaukee has put out a series of videos trying to help people with the licensing process. And I do all those videos in that voice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Well, it sounds, if, if, you know, for now, for as long as people know what, for example, a World War II newsreel sounds like, mm-hmm. right? they're going to identify that voice with the news, with authority, with somebody who's telling you something you need to know. 
Sure. There will come a point where people won't know what newsreel foot, uh, sound sounds like anymore. And then What's that goofy voice yeah, that guy's then, doing? Then it'll be like, uh, who's this joker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is he some stand-up comic? <laughs> some local crappy stand-up comic? <laughs> doing one of his doing one of his characters that only people in the Decatur area know about. Is that what people in Decatur sound like? Because the, only the people in Decatur go down to the Chuckle Hut to listen to him on Wednesday nights. Oh, the Chuckle Hut. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, so I Google what automatic skype static what you know what this and, sounds um, like to me hmm? fake static but go ahead <laughs> that's just audio hum yeah no no no. what the worst it, the static isn't the problem the problem is is that skype is there's a setting in there that you can check or uncheck and it comes de- default checked on right. for automatically adjust microphone settings okay or volume or whatever. And the, the, now I, I can't remember exactly. This may have been something I stumbled across four and a half years ago when we started doing this. Man. And on the original computer we were using for that, I had it unchecked and then stuff Who got knows? upgraded and it got rechecked. Gotcha. And so it affects what we hear and what they hear. So the point is we're taking a lot of chances here right now. No. The last few episodes. We got all this new equipment. Oh, well, and okay. We're yeah, dealing yeah, with yeah, Skype yeah. in a different way. We're unchecking boxes and we're hoping that the episodes I can already good. hear the difference. So. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Craig and Mike drove to the Skype headquarters in Sausalito to talk about the fake static setting. They were angry. <laughs> <laughs> Sausalito? Really? Is that I where they no, are? No idea. They're, they're not. They didn't move them all up to Redmond. Right. <laughs> Bill Gates and his mob of gangsters dragged the Skype crew back to Redmond. I think that's gonna that's gonna work out pretty good on your video. <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. I may have him record one with the regular voice. Just like basically do it with a normal voice and also do it with his with the accent and try to keep it at the same pace because um I, the reason I bring this up is because Jim, you have access to audio recording equipment. Yes. And uh, Michelle, your lovely wife, and uh, the person who makes sure that you're able to use the computer <laughs> properly to do this show, um, yes. is in her real life an audio producer, audio and video producer. Yes. And so she uh, helped me out with the last Kickstarter video. She's going to help out with this one. So I'm, I'm going to put Team Ozarski on the case for this one. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll we'll see how that all goes. <laughs> no promises. It might suck. I might end up doing it myself. <laughs> no, it'll probably be it'll probably be much better than I could do. <laughs> so yeah. Jesus. Hello. You still there? What? We're all, we're all deaf, huh? <laughs> what? What's news, Mike? Oh, here we go. <laughs> X-Files update. Yeah. Um, yeah. Skinner's back. Mitch Pelegi. Yes, he has signed on. And David Duchovny will not be writing or directing anything because he would rather act in the episodes and there are only 10 of them. And he says if he wrote and directed one of them, he would miss three of them. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, because he'd missed the one before, he'd wouldn't be able to act much in the one he was directing and then he would be 
handling that one in post during the yeah, one that, after. That's not true. I think he's just getting old and doesn't want to multitask know. it up like that. Plenty, oh. plenty of actors out there are the main character in a show and directed as well. And the writing happens beforehand. So Yeah. And uh, previously, Vince Gilligan had uh, yet again said that he would be unable to participate this event Aww. season. That has been... Ah! X-Files news. <laughs> what else is news, Craig? Um, do you know that... Uh, you know, scorpions have... Uh, they're poisonous, right? They can sting you? Yeah, that that uh, they got that tail that comes what it, it, it what it comes up and around. Yep, and it, they can just... yeah, and and many and many varieties of <laughs> they can bite you and sting you at the same time. And many vari- and claw you and many varieties Ooh, of yeah. scorpions, uh, their sting is really painful. Is it? Yes, it's very very bad. Um, but uh, modern technology is has come to the rescue because. We, d- we, we find uh, the venom from scorpions useful in a lot of different uh, research things, and there's chemicals in there that we extract and use for different things. They're, venom is useful. It's good stuff. Is anyone, uh, is anyone know, cooking with it? No, nah, I, I, I doubt they're cooking. <laughs> yeah. Some molecular gastronomy. Yeah. This here's, uh, this is a, uh, <laughs> this is a uh, meatloaf that's been made with uh, scorpion venom and then uh, turned into a foam. <laughs> And, and squirt, frozen in liquid nitrogen. And squirted into a pastry, and you can have it at the <laughs> county fair. Um, no, they, uh, well, the thing about it is, in order to get that venom, you have to milk the yeah. scorpion. Yeah, and do, it's do you, dangerous. You have, to do, you have to do that when it's, it's alive. It's difficult, and you do it one scorpion at a time. And you don't kill them to do this. You right. do it while they're alive. Right. And you, yeah, and that, that would be dangerous. dangerous. You can get stung very easily. So, uh, they have like little scorpion handcuffs. The robot people have gotten on the case, and now they got robots that milk the venom out of scorpions. <laughs> of course, multiple they do. scorpions at a time. Of course, <laughs> they do. Wow, is this like the an offshoot of the sushi making robot <laughs> that doesn't actually make sushi; it just assembles it? <laughs> well, this is just like a one thing. It's just you know, I imagine this the milking of scorpions is similar to the milking of venom out of snakes, where you just gotta you know you, you get the tail to. Punk, you know they, they they they've got that like that little jar or whatever they've got something that they can puncture the tail through and it, it you know that's what causes the the scorpion to think oh I'm stinging something yeah, and then yeah, it yeah. releases the venom like how when you put the snake's fangs on the edge of the yeah. jar you know that yeah. thing um so but they don't have to have you know a person sitting there holding that scorpion in one hand and grabbing the tail and trying to poke and milk the the venom out they've got a robot that'll grab it yeah. and I'm imagining like you know this is like a it does like a twelve pack of scorpions at a time, <laughs> six on either side. Like There's like a trough, egg, an egg carton. There's a trough in the middle, <laughs> and they put the scorpions in these little these little stanchions <laughs> and stocks. Yeah, and they hold their they hold them in stanchions by the claw ends, you know, by or, the big by the monsters monstrous claws, and then the the. If you were looking down the, the center of the thing from the end, you know, you got six scorpions on one side, six scorpions on the other sure. side, and then it tips up and it brings the tails over and chunk, you know, <laughs> right into the, the center trough. That's what I'm imagining. Don't give the PETA dummies any ideas. They'll be out there protesting. But well, so they're, this, my, they're already my, protesting. This. You, you know that. If, 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 I, if I kill the scorpion, will its dugs dry up or can I still get the venom out of it? Uh, I don't know what happens when... Because my instinct is to cut its head off. <laughs> and then take the venom. I want to be clear about this. The problem I don't think <laughs> I don't I don't think if we look at it 
mathematically that we're scorpions minus. I think we're scorpions plus. <laughs> are, are we? Are we in a scorpions rich world? Is that what you're saying? I, I think, well, we are. We are at scorpion sufficiency plus. Okay. <laughs> And and as a consequence, I'm going after the little bastards with a hatchet. That's... <laughs> a, a little yeah. hatchet. You don't want to chop too much off. Oh no! Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Wants to chop them in half and then wring them out like a towel. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking one to another. Because because wow yeah Mm-mm. no 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 no. Here you want to hear another. I... Go, I'm sorry, is there a ahead. video of this in your article? Do they show you what, what uh, they're doing? Yeah, but I haven't watched it. And it's not nearly as, as, as amazing as what you imagined. Yeah, of that's, course. That's more fun. The six, See, yeah. the 12 pack. And there was a day in the history of technology when necessity drove invention. You know, we, we wanted to do something essential cure a disease, <laughs> uh, make people, well, live longer, I suppose, same thing, or increase the agricultural yield of a particular number of hectares of land. Sure. But we now live in a day where people will do things with technology simply to get themselves on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but so, so I know what you're saying. I no longer what I'm saying is I no longer have that reassurance. May I maybe need to call this a law. There <laughs> used to be this law that if you see something being done, probably somebody needs this thing to be done. Yep. <laughs> I, I no longer have that reassurance that the misfits that are coming out of our technological institutions aren't just going, hey, hey, let's milk a scorpion and let's milk a lot of them. We're, we're milking scorpions with robots because we can, yeah. is what you're Thank saying. You. And, and yes. excuse me, sir, and what are you going to be doing with all of that scorpion milk? Uh... <laughs> no, you don't understand. That's for the we got scorpion I'm milk. The, I'm the robotics guy. That's for the scientists to figure out. Thank, thank you. <laughs> You're confusing me with product. Now you might be you might be uh, right if we had a photo of like you know the scorpion venom vat. Like if they got these robots going like you know gangbusters twenty four seven with a billion scorpions to just feed them in there. If they're just like hot swapping them in and out. <laughs> Hot bunking the scorpions, and and there's this you know five thousand gallon vat of scorpion venoms. Like, what are you gonna do with that? But I want that Warner Brothers music in the background. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next. Um, <laughs> robot update. Speaking of robots, uh oh. Do you remember what, the what, security what droid doing? that that got assaulted by a drunk guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it. Turned turned on its alarms and called the cops. Yep, and uh, that was and we described it as the like a panel opened up and a big bullhorn looking <laughs> thing came out and went and a, oh, and a, and a red rotating light. Yeah, <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah. So and we it, it was uh, it's called the Night Scope K five security <laughs> droid and uh, and th- that article said that these were being tested on their own facility on their own and this was a night scope employee apparently that had gotten drunk and uh, well apparently uh, that article was wrong these things are out in the wild Uh-oh. they're at multiple Where? places Where can I go see one? Well, you could have gone to see one at some business in uh, Washington DC, but <laughs> the security droid drove itself a little too close to the steps leading down into their decorative fountain. <laughs> And drown. <laughs> it's been ruled an apparent suicide. <laughs> Doesn't he look so sad? His eye is open. His mouth is kind of... Uh... 
Well, that's the creepy thing about, you know, any dead body. If you watch a TV show or a movie, it's like when the body's in there and their eyes yeah. are still open. And then they have to, you know, out of respect, they close their eyes. Where's the dude closing the robot's eye out of respect? <laughs> They're just standing there over him. Yeah, so one of the employees tweeted it out and and, and Twitter, went, Twitter went nuts over it. And uh, apparently his name was uh, Robot Steve. Steve the Robot. I'm sorry. Steve, Steve, Steve the Robot. Rest in peace. Steve. Yep. Here, here's a picture of one of the other employees with Steve that he had taken just days before, he says. <laughs> Look how tall that thing is. Five feet tall. Looks like Wikipedia, a, looks like a Wikipedia, giant bullet. <laughs> Wikipedia is stupid. Okay, I usually don't hate it this much, but I'm now filled with hatred. You know why? Because I'm looking at the Nightscope Autonomous Data Machine. That's its name. Huh. The K5, which I believe is what we're talking yep. about here. It's the mostly K5, white. It's, but it's called the Night Scope, okay? So hey, hey, where was he built? Where is he built? He's California. Built. To, the I folk, think. to the folks out at uh, out who developed this, yes, we see you. You're nerds. Only a nerd calls this the Night Scope. Power to the people, brother. With a K. But anyway, the Knight Scope. Yeah. Yeah, Apparently, yeah, yeah. the Knight Scope doesn't have Knight vision. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> this is what this is what Wikipedia reads. The KS robot is five feet tall and three hundred pounds. The K5 detects crime. Okay? It says it detects crime. What does crime look like? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What's it detecting specifically? Is it looking is it looking for uh you know, is it listening for people saying, "Put your hands up. This is a robbery." Come over here, you mugs. Open up the bank vault. <laughs> I mean, what's it? What's it detecting? It recognizes uh, people holding uh, holding a gun, but only if it's a Tommy gun. <laughs> it's, it's got right. It's got right. an Edward G. Robinson voice detector. K five detects crime using a variety of sensors. I would hope video cameras, thermal imaging sensors, a laser rangefinder radar, air quality sensors, and a microphone. So you're either gonna get Dillin you're either gonna get Dillinger or a fat three hundred pound kid with a bad scent. On the upside, it's using thermal imaging so it will be able to find those nasty predators. <laughs> Ooh, make the clicking noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna help with the audio. <laughs> yeah, no, so guys, oh, it's not oh, detecting oh, oh, crime. Oh, oh. Okay. No. <laughs> You are not detecting crime. You're sensing heat, motion, and getting the distance to the objects you find. That's about it. Does it have a taser? Please tell me it has a taser. It has an alarm and a phone. We know that. All Um, right. So anyway, uh, people then, you know, the people on the internet started joking around because it's a robot. And it's okay to joke about suicide when it's a robot. And then, of course, all of the Marvin the Martian. Or Marvin, (laughs) Marvin the Robot, sorry. Uh, oh, Hitchhiker's getting... Guide. Oh, sure. <laughs> so depressed. Mm-hmm. What was wrong? Brain, brain the size of a planet. Yeah. Oh boy. Why it's was he got feeling fa- so it's, down? It's got it's got facial recognition. Yeah. Well, not this one. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. <laughs> Until they replace his insides. Hey, Mike, what does my T-shirt say today? I speak fluent movie quotes. <laughs> I'm just going to oh, do the rest. It- Rest of the episode in movie quotes. Can okay. I, can I, do you think I can do that for the next like forty minutes or so? Is that a movie quote? Then no. Well, I'm asking like you know starting. Okay, starting now. Sure, let's give it a shot. Okay. 
I'm sure that's a, that's a movie quote. Yep. Somebody said okay. Sometimes somebody said yep. Some other time. Okay, we see where you're going with this. Well, successful experiment. Correct. Good job, Craig. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of technology, real quick, Google Glasses. Google Glasses back. I still oh, can't say please. it. Please. Not really though. You can't buy it. I can't buy it. Jim can't buy it. Oh, well, what's the point? They're they finally figured out how it's useful. <laughs> not giving and, it to people and where it can be used where people won't get completely freaked out and punch everybody they see wearing it <laughs> and that's in factories the okay. factory workers are wearing these things and when they do start taking pictures or shooting video there's an enormous red light that turns on <laughs> what are the factory workers using it for um why are they they're getting augmented reality overlays of of the stuff that they're looking at and the things that they're assembling. So it's like you can, if, you it's know. just a tool. It's okay. A, so like if you got the hazardous, you know, the, 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 the four square diamond thing with the colors and the numbers and mm-hmm. the, the hazardous and you, that, you know, if, if you look at that thing, will it pop up and tell you what's in there and what kind of precautions you gotta, you don't have to learn what those I, numbers mean I anymore. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll pop up on your Google, Google glass, which is still difficult you to can't say. say it <laughs> yeah. All right. Fine. As long as I don't have to deal with it at the grocery store. I don't need anybody recording me picking out soup. Yeah. Oh, history update real quick before we move on. Real uh, real history. Yes. Actual earth human history. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I, don't know I where said, you were going with like, that. <laughs> what kind of history do you mean, Craig? Go ahead. So uh, last week, I think it was last week uh, with Matthew, we were talking about the castles and I joked about... Um, the uh, the Lutheran Reformed Code, and I think I said five of five ninety five, and I knew that date was wrong when I said it. Um, oh, okay. but I could I just couldn't remember. Is this a correction? Because I was raised Lutheran by my school teachers, not my parents, who are Catholic. Long story. <laughs> I'm not getting into it today. Wow. Um, <laughs> K through eight, and uh, the Frozen Chosen Jim, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's what's wrong with Mike. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, same here. So I look I looked it up. I was like, what date was it? It had to be more in 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 like the, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th century than than medieval times, right? And sure enough, uh the 95 theses, which sounds like another word makes me want to laugh. Um, theses with a th. Th, correct, and not an ae thing. Um <laughs> yes, it was uh okay, so I was taught that he nailed them to the door of the church. Well, that's the that's story. a rumor. Yeah. That's a rumor. I was taught that that was the actual fact. Sure. That's a rumor. Well, we're also, he may have done we're that. We're also told mm-hmm. that the, you know, the Declaration of Independence was signed on. Yeah. What he actually did was he mailed it. <laughs> the Constitution it. was signed on. He, he mailed it. He mailed out. it. He said, here you go. He sent, who did he send it to? Uh, church people. And, <laughs> but anyway. Is that who he addressed it to? So Was it? Enough was it small town enough that you know like the post the postal guy got it and said oh I know who those are <laughs> just take it to the church people oh here here uh, ah. to Albert of Brandenburg the Archbishop of okay. Mainz on Halloween that I did remember yeah it was Halloween that I I saw that and I remembered that it was Halloween that he did it but the date my God the timing of this right fifteen seventeen. <laughs> We're coming up on the 500-year anniversary this Halloween. Of, effectively, the very beginning of Lutheranism. Of, of, and of Lutheranism. Protestantism. Protestantism in, in, in general. general. Yeah. How well, about I mean, that? 
Well, see, here's the thing. Uh-oh. Uh, Jim has oh, yes. Over... Yeah, that's right. Jim's Catholic. So here we go. Little, li- no, 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 no. <laughs> little, little over a week from now, I'm going to Germany because I want to go to a battlefield. Yep. And I can only go in a small window given my job anytime, anywhere. Sure. So, so yeah. Um, I'm going. The battle took place about 40 kilometers southeast of Wittenberg. Ooh. And about 90 kilometers east of the Wartburg, where Luther hides when he translates the New Testament into German. Yep. So, so the area I'm in is going to be lousy with Reformation historians. <laughs> oh, those Lutheran I mean, tourists everywhere. You're going to be swimming oh, this through is... them. <laughs> now you've seen you've seen the bobblehead, right? The admiral's bobblehead. Nah, the, no. the Milwaukee Admirals, our minor league hockey team, which, by the way, helped catapult the Nashville Predators into the Stanley Cup Finals because we're their minor league team. Okay. Well done, um, Admirals. They, they will. They will this year in October have a uh, a Martin Luther bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> will it be shaking its head no instead of bobbing its head yes? <laughs> It, it it is going to have a an indulgences un- no under <laughs> underneath his underneath his robes, and he's going to be wearing ice skates. But this is <laughs> this is this is already one of the most in demand items. Uh, John Greenberg, the guy who heads up promotions for them, sends his daughter to the same school where his lordship goes, and this is already one of their most in demand items. People wow. want them some Luther <laughs> skater bobblehead. Good so Lord. it's it, you know it, it it's funny. I mean, my PhD right is in this period, and <laughs> this whole it, you talk about what historians do that they get wrong and that they get right. One of the huge debates in that period is what is what we call the nail or mail debate, and whether Luther nailed or mailed these things. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, look. That's not the issue. <laughs> it's to try to understand what Luther is doing when he does this. And the thing that's so hard for my Protestant friends, I was raised Protestant, I was raised Presbyterian. But the hardest thing for my Protestant friends to understand, Luther didn't think he was doing anything that strange. Luther was mad. Don't get me wrong. When you wound up Brother Martin, you, he was wound up. <laughs> I tell anybody, if you want to see who Martin Luther was, read his Tischrede, his table talk. That's never allowed in Lutheran schools. He was the son of a copper miner. He could curse with the best of them. <laughs> he was a virulent anti-Semite and really, really got angry about things. And I love him. I love him warts and all. I mean, the anti-Semitism <clears throat> I can't abide, but the other stuff... He, the one thing he never gets, the one thing he never gets is, why are you so mad, bro? Because he sent, it is his job. He is a doctor of theology at the University of Wittenberg. And it is his obligation to present theses to his academic community arguing positions. They're just positions. He says, I believe these 95 things. Anybody that wants to dispute me, come on down to Wittenberg and we'll have an academic debate. That's it. It creates a scandal because he is as well regarded as he is. But when it gets to Leo X, the Pope at the time, he sees it and says, oh, it's a bunch of monks arguing. 
<laughs> it's just a bunch, you know, he doesn't care. And it's only over time as the church, my church now, grossly overreacts. <laughs> the Catholic Church never does that. <laughs> it's, I've said, they sent out the one shot we had was this, this guy, Tommaso DeVille, and Car Tommaso DeVille, Cardinal Cajetan. He's the guy that Leo sends down. And he pulls Luther aside and by all accounts tells him, Martin, Martin, you've kind of caused a thing, okay? And he says, just, we know, we know, 93 of these theses, we get it. We'll work with that. Can you please just retract these two? But because Martin is Martin, he goes, ah, wait a minute. If I'm wrong, come down and debate me. Come on, let's get I can't. Come at me, much. bro. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Literally. Come <laughs> Brother Martin. <laughs> and he's like, he's, and, and, and Cajetan says, Martin, Martin, I can't do that. The Pope has said you will retract these two. He's like, oh, yeah? Well, I'm not going to. Martin, Martin, then this is going to be bad. He's like, well, how bad? Okay, kind of 500 years of divided Christianity bad. How's that? <laughs> Am counting. And it's, <laughs> and it's, it, is, it is an unending one, to the point that when we land in Berlin, we're going to be very near on a Sunday, and the cathedral ain't Catholic. Okay? Mm -hmm. that, that's, how, that's how bad. So... Yeah, it's funny. I mean, there's it's I'm going to be very I'm going to be very interested to see just how thick the uh, the Reformation is down there on the ground. <laughs> I'm, I'm ser seriously we're going to be there. What does that come to just? Yeah, we're two months before the event. There's a lot of stuff going on. The Catholic Church never overreacts to something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Inquisition. What a show. The Inquisition. Well, hey. here we go. The bull that finally... By the way, all Lutherans remain excommunicated, so you write that down. Oh, the, nice. Um, so, so, you Not know, me. You're, you're... <laughs> I never they, joined. Uh... I didn't no, take okay. communion <laughs> with my eighth grade class. I said I Saint gave them a big big middle finger, went off Saint, to public Saint school. Say, Peter, I swear to God, I, I closed my ears and went, la, la, la. The, um... <laughs> but no, the... Uh... The bull that that eventually Leo does have to send down because Luther's like this is called Exerge Domine, which is literally arise, O Lord. And the it, bulls are all named after their first couple of words in Latin. And the bull's first line is arise, O Lord, and drive out the swine that has entered into your vineyard. <laughs> so, you know, the prose could be a little purple. I found the bobblehead on uh, <laughs> online here, a picture of it. There's, it says, Milwaukee Admiral's tweet, have some grievances like this guy did 500 years ago? You'll <laughs> want the ticket package for October 21st. That includes this bobblehead. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to get me one of these. <laughs> okay. Uh, Moving along? Sure. Um, Jim, I hear tell that you've got something newsworthy. Yeah, I. This is. I think we all saw the story this week that the the Disney. I'm gonna leave my Disney rage completely to the side. Check me. We all saw that there was a ripple in the nerd universe as Steve Whitmire, the individual who was chosen by the Henson family. There's some dispute as to exactly oh. who chose him. Uh, was fired as the voice of the frog. He has been the sole voice of Kermit the Frog since the passing of the late and great Jim Henson, 
all those decades ago. Decades ago. That's the hard part for me to embrace, but it's true. Now, I had always thought that it was uh, it was the son that had been doing no, the voices. No, and and there is dispute now. Steve has always claimed that Jim chose him personally to replace him. Brian and the family have said, no, that is not true. The, the whole situation is incredibly sad. There is, there is no part of this that makes my puppet-loving heart, my Muppet-loving heart, happy. Because Steve is clearly broken up about this. The Henson family, frankly, is acting like a bunch of punks. I, I'm having a problem with it. And, and, well, Disney is a rotten singularity of evil in the center of our galaxy. I think that is what our galaxy spins around. <laughs> well, one day gets sucked into. Yeah, it's, it's, it, is, it is rotten and awful. And I, well, I love them. So I, there's, but that's not what I wanted to talk about because that's a, that's a whole lot of he said, she said right now. That is, again, nobody in this has any sort of, nobody should be proud of their role in any of this. It's, it's just horrible. But what amazed me is we talked a little bit in the extra special Nerd Burger episode that you probably all haven't heard. But we talked about nerd culture and how it's become popular culture. And folks, Kermit isn't real. I know that's hard for me to take. <laughs> but he's a felt sock puppet with, with, with ping pong ball eyes. And this... The firing of the man who sticks his hand up his butt and makes him talk was a story in the New York Times. Oh, yeah. And the whole narrative has become, they felt, the New York Times felt the need to talk about the drama surrounding the voicing of a puppet. How central is nerd culture now? And the other thing that the article in Kotaku pointed out and I think it bears mention, the Muppets have not been on the upswing for a decade. You know, the Muppets are surviving on the legacy of the aging nerds. What's the last good thing the Muppets did? I think it's Muppets Tonight. How long ago is Muppets Tonight? Muppets Nearly. in Space. I think I like Muppets in Space. Muppets That's... in Space predates that, doesn't it? No, because it comes later, because Muppets Tonight is where we were introduced to Pepe. Pepe, that's right. And Pepe that made, is in so, Muppets yeah. in Space. That's right. yeah, Muppets. Yeah, Muppets in Space. Then that's going to be that's the, the last first. One. That's the first movie after Muppets Tonight. Craig is okay. a Pepe expert. Do not challenge Craig on his Pepe no, no. knowledge. No, okay, no, no. I know, I, my, I, I, I know my Pepe. Okay. I have. Do not I challenge have, my Pepe. Okay. I will slap you, you bad bad donkey. I I have I have a shirt that says I am not a shrimp. I am a king prawn. <laughs> they, so so very good. Well, that would be it then. But that's a while ago now. Yeah. You know that they're shrinking, and the, that the movie TV was made when Katie Holmes wasn't married to Tom Cruise yet. Whoa! <laughs> Before she has a cameo with Josh Jackson near the end of the movie, like and a Pepe, Dawson's Creek, Pepe, kind of a yeah, well, it's, it, that's what they're playing to. Sure. But Pepe is hitting on her. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite scene in the movie. She'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on! It's Pepe talking into the fan. <laughs> well, that's good to too. Build a jacuzzi. A ju- a jacuzzi. <laughs> Make me a bologna sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> I speak fluent I just... movie quotes. That's uh, right there on your shirt. <laughs> yep. 
I will. I will. <laughs> I will watch that movie anytime. You're right about it. Heck, I just love the whole open, the opening sequence to the tune of Brick House is genius too. <laughs> Top notch. Every Muppet yeah. that's in the movie is in that scene, and it's just continuous camera. It's it's yeah, a it's, it's a feat it a, of puppetry. It's not a one shot. It's, it's not a close one. though. It's long takes. Yes. And uh, there's you know it's several long takes, and it's 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 a beautiful piece of puppetry. Because yes. of how the sh- just the sheer number, and they did that all the time with the Muppets, where they'd have like twenty Muppets in, in a shot at a time, and you know that just below frame, there's just a billion people trying not to get tangled. <laughs> that are up all and, crammed together, yeah, yeah, knock each other over, just throwing elbows, but they stink in the place <laughs> yeah. up. Mm-hmm. But so, so you know, it's been a long time. So they've been on a downswing. So they are enduring on the strength of our deep passion for what Jim Henson created in the seventies. You know, and so the the Whitmire thing just made me sit back again and reflect, holy cow, have we wedged ourselves into the popular consciousness when, again, the old gray lady feels obligated to go out and tell the sordid story of the men behind the puppets. But you also keep in mind, you you understand the hierarchy of the Muppet world. um, Because this was Kermit. Kermit is, you know, clearly the the top Muppet. There will be no front page New York New York Times article when the guy who does the voice of Lou Zealand yeah. um, no longer gets to do the voice of Lou Zealand. No, pretty much it's you're talking you're talking <laughs> Kermit or Frank Oz, basically. True. Anybody else? Yeah. Right. Sure, I, yeah. Sure. But I I'm still I again. Frank Oz. Well, Frank Oz is a little different because he's had so much success in so many different fields. You know, he's been in the Blues Brothers handling a condom, for heaven's sake. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but the uh, but still, you know, when you're talking about and maybe it is just the effect that this one show had. But it that's well, that's the other thing that they commented about. Jim Henson turned off the Muppet show at the height of its popularity. That the, the this fifth season of the Muppet show, which was the last one, they were one of the most popular shows on television. And everybody wanted to be on it. And he just said, yeah, okay, we're done now. I don't want to do the same thing twice. <laughs> well, you know, go out on top. I want to, I want to walk away. I, and frankly, I don't, it's not about the money. It's about the creativity. So yeah, I just, I was sorry to see it come to this. Uh, you know, I, and I'll be blunt. I never thought that Steve was as good as Jim, but no, you know, that's probably unfair because nobody was as good as Jim Henson at doing what he did. But I, I certainly didn't want to see it end that way. And it was interesting to see something that you would have thought would have been stuck in a Reddit sub forum suddenly discussed in the New York Times. Especially since, you know, you talk about Frank Oz. Everybody's heard of Frank Oz pretty much. I'd never heard of this guy. Like I said, I thought it was I thought it was the kid. Oh, the sure. younger Henson that's been doing Kermit the whole time. Sure. Yeah, I'd heard people say that, and I said, no, it's, you know, there was there was definitely talk of Brian taking it over at the time, but he made clear that he did not want to get into that whole legacy thing, and it's like, well, you're, you're basically running your dad's corporation, son. Well done. It's, you've, you've done a great job stepping out from his shadow and doing your own thing. I mean, if anybody's going to sound like the, the voices that Jim Henson was able to make, it's going to be him, right? Yeah, I've, and I've never seen Unless Jim he's adopted. or Brian. I've never seen Jim or Brian interviewed on the topic of, did your dad do those voices at home, and did it make you mad? 
Because every dad's voice is eventually, I can, I speak here from experience, eventually makes their son mad. <laughs> Any other news, guys? No. We rocking and rolling. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Jim and his dad, right? Yeah. I, uh, you guys read Starship Troopers? No. Okay. Starship Troopers, the ship that carries the said, the eponymous troopers into battle is called the Roger Young. All right. Sure. And it, to me, has always been the first and best name of a spaceship. (laughs) Um, I went out, and as we talked about on this show, I went out to buy a car because my car was, was, was aging. Yep. And I knew, I knew very well that I was, and I spoke at some length of my unpreparedness to purchase a car in a way that would have shamed my father. (laughs) That's right. And and so I went out to my dealership, and I went online now. Now, the one thing I have, and my father is actually envious, envious of this, I can go online and say, I want a Buick with a certain number of miles for a certain cost. Please show me which dealers in my area have this car. And I can go online and look at them and look at their prices and realize their prices are junk and all this other <laughs> And But I went out to my local dealer, and I went in, and I completely... I, I just don't know. I don't think I'm that special. Others must do this. But I went in intending to pay cash, and that completely flummoxed them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> they were on they, all their shtick, all the true coat, all the... <laughs> is, is predicated on my need to finance. Mm-hmm. And moreover... I admit I ran a little bit of a game on him. I felt a little bad because the guy wasn't a bad dude. I feel really bad for these young guys that are trying to make a go of it and selling cars because they haven't built up that protective shell of evil that the older guys have. <laughs> you know, he actually apparently was trying to help me in some small way. But my the hustle that I ran was I knew I was selling my old car to a friend. And I my, my deal with this guy who's bought several of my cars actually was whatever they offer me, if you give me $1 more, you may have the car. <laughs> well, sure. Because I'd rather you had it anyway, because he's he's in the situation. So I went out there, got the price. I said, is that your best price? It is. Okay, great. I want, I, I don't need your, I don't need the trade-in. I'm going to go sell it to a buddy of mine. And he was really upset <laughs> because that's built into their calculation of profit and everything like that, because now they can flip my car for above market yep. or above, certainly above what they paid me. So we did that, but so cutting to the chase, um, nobody told me about remote start. <laughs> okay. I get, I get into the car guys. I'm all but dissertation. Like I've referred to earlier. Okay. I've got a bunch of degrees I don't use and I've got a good job. I sit in this car and I'm looking for the spot where you put the key in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't find it. Sure can't. And then, because I, was, I wasn't looking dumb enough, <laughs> I take the key fob and I hit the little switchblade button. Yeah, and nothing comes. Yeah. No, 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 no. The key came out. Oh, that's right, because so for the, the door, sure. For the door. <laughs> and I'm still, and, and nice young salesman guy goes, no, no, big run button just to the right of the steering column. So what do I do? You push it without push putting your button. foot on the brake. Right. <laughs> I'm imagining Jim in a in a Model T 
<laughs> Before they had keys, <laughs> trying to figure out how to get the car going. No, no, no. You got to go in the front and crank it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it roars. It roars. This thing roars to life. I hate. I hate the push button. What? Because you know, I, I, all I can think of is in in um, Allison. Allison's most recent car is one of those. And all I can think of is I'm shocked in the time that she's had it that she has not lost her, her car key or locked it inside. Oh, well, here's the thing. I te- I'm talking to a friend of mine who happens to be a, an assistant chief of police here in the city. And she tells me the number one way people steal cars these days is people who leave that fob in the glove box. Mm-hmm. How could you? That terrifies me. Now, my car, if you leave my my fob in the car and I get out and close the door, it emits this frantic triple beep. As if to say, stupid, hey, it's hey, in here. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm afraid to be alone. <laughs> it's dark and there are wolves. Yeah. <laughs> there are no and, wolves so, after you, Grandpa. That's, that's a TV that's, quote, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> With you so, in the shirt, yeah. So, so I'm sitting there and so the, it does that, but um, so, so it does that and I get the car going and now I wish radio. Okay. Oh, of course. Good. That wish you need a key for. <laughs> no. No. no, no, but this thing, this thing, it has the touch screen in the middle of the console mm-hmm. where the GPS and all the hoo-ha is. This is a 2013 Buick LaCrosse. Look it up online. And I'm, I'm at where, where are those where, made in Wisconsin? What's this? Are those made in Wisconsin? No, they are. My uh, vehicle was made in Huntington, <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> it's not made in Lacrosse, huh? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, curses! I failed you. I'm sorry. <laughs> now it's, it is not, in fact, made in the beautiful city of Lacrosse. Right Should guess, be. Guess where the Aztecs are made? <laughs> Aztecs. Guess, guess where they're not. I was made. just gonna say Aztlan. <laughs> <laughs> you beat yeah. me to it. <laughs> By that much. Where's the Tacoma made? <laughs> Puerto Rico. The um, so so I'm in this car and I'm trying to get music out of the thing, and and, and again, dude, young dude, leans over and goes, "It's easier to talk to it." <laughs> and I went, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> Computer. Now now that's on. Now that is on. So what do you call it? Don't you you hit a button on the wheel and it beeps and it says, please say a command. Oh, okay. It's not constantly listening to you like uh, Siri or Google or Alexa. No, no, no. It's no no, it's it's please say a command. And so boop. And this of course means because it is not a keyboard. Uh, quaint. It's <laughs> movie quote. The um, it, it's instead it's got its own dictionary. Oh, you can't say radio. What you have to you have to say tune. Oh. And so it's uh, so the next hour or so is spent in the deepest forests of Borneo trying to parse the syntax of the native tribe. You have to learn I, how to speak Buick. I I call this object GPS. 
What do you call it? <laughs> you know what they're doing with that tune thing rather than saying radio? Mm-hmm. They are preparing you for the day when everything is satellite beamed and there's no radio towers. Well, they definitely... They're preparing you for they, the idea that radio is dying in some manner. For, for the record, you're, that, you are so close to dead on, even in the present, because, boy, does this thing want to sell you serious. Yeah. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Because serious is much easier to navigate. It's got easier verbal presets. It's got all this stuff. So, no, I've got GPS. I've got the backup camera. Which boy, that can get a, be a crutch quickly. I've got the side. <laughs> I refuse. Got... I refuse to use it when I drive my, like my parents' car that has it. Or oh, I think that's dangerous. I really do. Throw your head over your shoulder for God's sake, people. But I'm looking out the. I'm on my way home over the Hone Bridge, and I see in my rearview mirror this yellow light. Somebody actually uses the Hone Bridge in commuting? Wow. Stop it. Stop it. That's my daily commute. We've discussed this. We have discussed this. Sorry. And I'm and I'm looking at and I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, what's the yellow light? Oh my god, it's broken. I've got the the blind spot sensor. So it's telling oh. it's telling me it's telling me there's someone in my blind spot. Mm-hmm. And all this and it's got the blue, it's got the and and then and there are positive things. I can now make calls by just addressing the Roger Young and telling it whom I wish to call. And I don't even have to take my phone out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, it can grab my music. It grabs my music based. It's, this is, to me, it's either creepy or we're at that stage. It adjusts, a lot of cars do this. It adjusts your seat to the position you want it in. It turns the temperature to the temperature you last had it. It grabs from my iPhone the last song I was listening to at the point I was listening to it. No matter how long I've been out of the car. And and it sets my nav for my last known destination. And I'm going, I remember my 79 Bonneville. <laughs> and I remember having to glue a compass to the dashboard. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Late 70s, early mid 80s, everybody had that compass bobbling around, hanging yeah. hanging off the rearview mirror or attached to the window or glued to the dash. It was somewhere. Yeah. And the other, the only other thing is, this thing now has cooled seats. Oh, you got the perforated uh Yeah. Yeah. This this is one of those yeah. push the button and go, "Ah, what the?" Yep. It it cools your balls, <laughs> right? Keeps the balls I cool. Goo. That's I it. Was, <laughs> got the, the wet one kilt. thought I had was one thought I had is, is this going to render me sterile? Is this because? Yeah. Oh my god! So no, it, they are they are amazing devices now, and I you know so I took it back to dad. Oh and man, and just blew his mind. I, I he loved he loved the interior. <laughs> he loved the leather seats. He loved the, uh, and he went, and then he did it because I knew he was gonna do it. He said, "You got my creeper in the trunk," and I said, "Yeah, yeah, Dad, I do." Oh, uh huh, yeah. And he got on, and he got a, and he did what he always has done. My dad's ninety. Bear in mind, <laughs> and he he gets on his creeper and he goes underneath it. <laughs> Has me hand him a flashlight. I'm not making this up. 
And <laughs> suddenly Jimmy is 10 years old again. And I'm going. And he gets up, has me pop the trunk. And he went. And you could see, it didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. He just shook his head and went. It just, it would, the clear message was, I can't do it anymore. It's done. That time, the time, and this sort of puts the coda on the whole, the whole car buying experience. That generation of car guys like my dad, they just, they're out of the game now. They, you just, the guys who, you know, kept custom built their 67 Barracuda, you know, that's just, that's gone. That's gone. And Wait a minute. The, the, so the, the nuts and bolts of the underneath of the car are so far beyond that he doesn't recognize what he's looking well, he, at? Or? This, this, the suspension he could track. Okay. He could track the suspension. But when he got into the engine. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can't, you can't see up into the engine anymore. No, you can't see up in. You can't see down in that well. <laughs> You're lucky if you can. Yeah, there's too much crap <laughs> jammed in there. Right. Right. And it's and that well, and that, of course, is the biggest thing. And we talked a lot. We've talked he and I over the years about that. That's what really drives him nuts, because, again, in a 79 Bonneville, you had acres of space mm -hmm. to go crawling around with your hands. Well, the car was the eight and a half feet wide and 40 feet long. Yep. Yep. That's right. No, that's right. That's right. Oh, no. I noticed the that engines too. aren't bigger. This, this, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 two thousand the two thousand Lesabre that I traded in, I, I now fit much better in our two car garage, because it is so much more narrow. Mm -hmm. Even though this is the equivalent vehicle, it's actually an upscale from the usual. So, no, no, it uh, it's 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 a transition. I mean, it's it's about the cafe standards, right? And um, trying to to accommodate all this other stuff, but. Yeah, this car, it's a delight. I love driving it, but I will tell you, it's one of those things that I realize when this sucker breaks, and it will, all things do, when entropy takes hold, I uh, I will have nothing doing with fixing it. Mm -hmm. Nothing at all. It's going to be calling a mechanic who's going to hook it up to a computer, and that robot's going to slide off the back, brush me aside, and send it to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps that story. The... Uh... The Ballad of Jim's Car. Yep. In, in, in two parts. In two parts, exactly. In two, in, in two parts. Um, you brought up in an email earlier this week that you hugged me once. Getting okay, back, so here's... Getting the, back to hugging Craig from a couple weeks ago. That's right. That's where this comes from. Because it was apparently set forth that it was a, a rare and special thing to hug Craig. At least so in cool. recent years. But, you know, Jim and I haven't spent a great deal of time around each other on any sort of regular basis for over a decade. I imagine there right, was right. a lot of play acting hugging going on in the in the Renaissance, the Renaissance Fair, right? Uh, no? It depended yeah. on... Because you were playing characters of social ranks. And, yeah, okay. You know, yeah, hugging yeah, no, a that woman was my guess. that was getting familiar, and you that better be guess. betrothed to them, and sure. it all kind of depended. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah, and, and and sometimes you would do a funny thing where a, a lower class person would hug an upper class person to to watch that dissonant reaction and all that. So the only question is, did you or I leave the fair first? Um, I did. I okay, th I think so. Then it was so. Then it because I left in 02. That was my last season. Uh, yeah, me. I was just like maybe a year before that. Okay. In the second because year of I your have... Lesabre. That's, <laughs> yeah, well, that, let's, no, track, no, let's I was... track this Seriously? by cars. <laughs> Craig, what yeah. were you driving? <laughs> I, that, no, no, as if I bought that Lesabre new, mm. I was actually driving a Regal back then, but anyway. 
the first oh, yeah. <laughs> the first of two Ford Escorts for the record. I was driving my, the car I owned previous to the one I own now. The little tiny two-door hatchback. The tiny, tiny car. The tiny blue two-door hatchback. The Pontiac P9000? That then I replaced with another almost identical tiny blue <laughs> hatchback of the same uh, manufacturer and nearly the same model. Anyway. Which, hatch, which hatchback? I have a, right now I have a Golf. Oh, okay. Because I almost tipped a, a Pontiac. Was it, I think it was the I think it seriously was the A six thousand. That little bitty Pontiac hatchback. We slammed eight guys into it when I was driving it one time. We almost tipped it over going around a turn. I seriously got it on two wheels and got scared to death. I thought we were dead. But anyway, um, that was when you were it, in clown school. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what my dad called. That's what my dad called most of my graduate school years. <laughs> all, those, all those degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Craig. Yeah. Trivia time. What's the name of that song? Uh, Ooh. Clown car. I don't, uh-uh. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's because it's because the only reason I'm raising I probably it, know it, and as soon as you mention it, you're gonna go. It's, it's the March of the Gladiators. Okay. Really. Wow. Yeah. That's not what yeah, I that, that's not what <laughs> I comes to mind. With that, song. <laughs> that is not what comes to mind. <sighs> unless they're really gay gladiators. You know, really <laughs> And you, you mean, mean happy. You mean fabulous. Cheerful. Fabulous. I mean, no, I mean I, I look, I I am I'm what do we want to say? I'm community friendly here, folks. I'm all about Pride Parade. That's my Pride Parade Gladiator March. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I and we have enough friends, Craig, that would agree with that. The um, but anyway, two thousand one. Then, if the year before, and I don't know why I had this memory. I, uh, I actually, <laughs> he remembers I, all these things about fair with the funny bits and the and the you know the the sword play and the court of common pleas and timing with the court and the queen and all this stuff. And somehow he remembers this. Go hugging, ahead. Hugging, because, yeah, no, but this is what I'm he, saying. He was, I I don't know why, but when we were talking, he was about scarred. It, Okay. <laughs> Wait for the rest of the story first. <laughs> that's my that's my guess. So no, I, we're, it was we were in the punishment place. And explain, what? Jim. Explain. Oh, okay. Mike's this thinking goes... it's like some sort of dungeon. <laughs> it was right behind the dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, well, it was. There was a. Uh, it goes way back into the lore of the good guys and the bad guys. And the bad guys would grab a an innocent civilian, and uh, the the head bad guy, whether it was me or one of my predecessors, would say, "All right, you, you're going off to the punishment place," <laughs> and 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 the person would say, "Not the punishment place, not the punishment place," <laughs> and we would take them back to this area that's right by it's. The, the the Bristol Renaissance Fair, like a lot of Renaissance fairs, has these off-limit areas that are sort of parked right in the center of this giant circle that is the fair. The outdoor so version of little backstage. Oasis. Sure. Exactly. You exactly. can go back there, these little... take a pee, get a drink, have a have a snack, take your part of your costume, you know, loosen it up, cool S- off a minute. Smoke a joint, yeah. have a have have quick sex with one of your uh, coworkers. Exactly. You've been on, you've worked no, at a I've, Renaissance no, fair. No, I've heard your stories about working at a Renaissance <laughs> fair. Okay. Yeah, except the quick sex part, sure. The um that happens that happens at night in tent town, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to combine everything all into one. The hour that so, we called it <laughs> was <yeah>. 30. <laughs> When you would start hearing the noises 
<laughs> very late. All right. Anyway. All right. Oh God, you're gonna. I, so, when, when the next time I come, remind. I'm gonna write down. I'm gonna. I will tell. I will tell my favorite fair sex story. Awesome. Um, <laughs> All right. It, Writing it down. It, it it involves. Let, put it this way. It involves <laughs> porn, whiskey, ecstasy, and other stuff. It does not, so, however, involve hugging Craig. No, it sure doesn't. All uh, other well, physical acts with Craig. You, you, you've always struck me as far too smart a person to have been involved in that particular story. But anyway, <laughs> so we're in the... And so at the punishment place, what we do is this person would say, not the punishment place, and we take them back into this area, and then we would slam the door shut. Hopefully, we would hope to God a crowd followed us. And we would then have the guards slam on the doors, make clanging sounds, make punching sounds, and the innocent victim would scream, No! Ah! No! Ah! And if you're on the outside, it actually was pretty funny and horrifying. <laughs> Off-stage so, off violence. Yeah, it's off. Right. It's all let your mind conjure what horrible thing we're doing. And then often enough, we would, you know, make them take off, open their shirt a little bit so it looked ripped. Or take disheveled. Yeah. And then throw them back out. And then they'd run away right through the crowd. It was a good bit. So we're back in the. And, but this was also the place where the fight cast would just hang out. And it was late in the day. It was hot. They always are, it seems. And I got up, and I was leaning against one of the trees that was right there. And in comes in comes Craig. And I don't. And I have racked my brain in the week since to um, remember how you told me that you were leaving. I don't remember the words. But I do recall that I went, that I remember thinking, and I probably, I hope I said it. I don't, I can't say I did. That you can say it been, now, Jim. It's been, it's, it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. And the, the thing I always tried to tell people was, I'm glad you left before it started to suck. Because <laughs> a lot of people, look, the Renaissance Fair is a drug. You get to do things, say things, and be things that you'll never be anywhere else. But as Bob and Brian have said, and I've used this parallel many times, the Ren Fair is like golf. You'll never be as good at it as you want to be. It'll take everything out of you, and it will never love you as much as you love it. And so sooner or later, you got to have the courage to walk. And people who can't really kind of break my heart. You know, unless they really make a good go, you've got to have the courage to walk. It's still very much a part of who I am. My God, I met my wife there. My son wouldn't be here if it wasn't for it. But that's still true. And I hope I said that. And I just remember going, you take care out there. And Craig and I hugged behind the punishment place. <laughs> Aww. Which rarely happened in the punishment <clears throat> places, by the way. Yeah, no, no. There was, there was very little taking. hugging. Yeah. Again, you're talking about the dungeon next door. <sighs> that's <laughs> Well, yeah, that's, which was... Which, which, which what uh, I, I will tell a quick dungeon story. Oh, <laughs> we got Kev, was... we got Kevin questions too. Let's roll. Okay, the uh, the dungeon was a hokey. I think it's still there. I haven't been in a while. I confess, that was a hokey dungeon thing with a dragon on top. It's just a little maze with little exhibits, it's like very Wisconsin Delsey. This is a thing of torture and all this stuff. There was also a, an emergency exit in case the entire paper mache edifice caught fire, <laughs> and. My wife, my wife was sitting in the back in the punishment place, which was directly opposite the opening door that came out from that this fire exit. And one day 
this little girl with her little garland on stuck her head out through the fire door where she knew she shouldn't have done it. And my wife was sitting in a chair in her full hoop skirts, all black, dressed in a beret, and picked up the the uh, one-shot Renaissance pistol that was sitting in her lap. <laughs> it was a toy gun. Yeah. But po- pointed it straight at the girl and went, get back in there. <laughs> Lady Cook. Awesome. <laughs> and, and this girl slams the door. Well, yeah. <laughs> so this little kid, let's assume she was five. <laughs> now she's. <laughs> she's in her 20s. Mm-hmm. You think she wonders to this day? <laughs> what the heck actually happened? But yeah, so so yeah, the dungeon right there. <laughs> oh, see, I was waiting for you to tell, and not to disparage your wife in any way. I'm, I like her; she's a good person. <laughs> but I know one of the things that happened a lot of times with the ladies of the court and anybody who had the big hoop skirt, which yes. Lady Cook did, was when they yes. were backstage. When you sat down, like one of the first things they did was lift that whole thing up. And get oh, yeah. some air under there because yeah. it would—it oh, yeah. was like a little heat well that would just, you know, because it was right down to the ground. It would get warm and, you know, you'd risk swamp crotch and all I that. Quote, I quote our former uh, co-worker who, when we were at her wedding in that hall with no air conditioning, it was 95 degrees. And she came over to say hi to us at the reception and lifted up her. She didn't lift it up all the way, but lifted up her, her giant wedding gown and started waving it. Yeah. And went, oh, my God, it's hot as balls in here. Yeah. <laughs> That type of thing happened on a. I, I probably witnessed that exact situation with a different line each time yeah. on a daily basis out there at some point, especially when I was in court. When I was because mm-hmm. I'd be backstage well, with ladies of court with those big hoop skirts. We uh, about about three four years left to the run. I went to a Sam's Club and bought an industrial blower fan. You know, one of the, one, <laughs> yeah, one of the four foot jobs. That that I just donated to the fair just because so many of my friends and you would see we actually stuck a thermometer under there once mm-hmm. and it, and it was it was easily fifteen to twenty degrees over ambient. Oh well, we did the thing too where you know we demonstrate to people like when whenever like this this was a favorite thing with the uh, household versus the court people when you're backstage the household is wearing like the women are wearing dresses but it's not the big hoop skirt that and and they're. They're they're allowed to be a little more free flowy, and you know it's easier for them to kind of flip thing around. And the women of court need to look demure and pop, you know, proper and everything, so they can't be out there flapping their hoops at the audience. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd go backstage and you'd be like, you know, how hot does it get underneath there? And I I did this once or twice, and I know other people did it too. As I was like, oh, you want to know how hot it gets under there? Watch, and I would show them, show my hand, my arm, from like the elbow to the hand, bare skin, yep. and I would place it underneath just at their feet for like. 10 seconds and I'd pull it out and it'd be just oh, dripping sweat yep. and pink and yeah, splotchy <laughs> <laughs> like us pale yeah. people do when we get home. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Kevin question. Kevin uh, question. Uh, are we, are we not doing the uh, scene thing? Yeah, it looks like it. S- next say, time we're going to do that next time. We okay. got, we got Kevin questions. And then next time we need to do, we need to do Sammy cause we, we haven't done Sammy in a, in a couple of times. That's a, all, okay. All right. I'm, I'm writing these down. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Craig is Hell? playing his head with the uh, gavel. With, with the gavel. I'm hitting the gavel on the top of my head and doing a whoop sound with my mouth. The, the water drop uh, Cameron trick. 
You know the thing that you do when you flick your cheek? You've seen people do that. Oh, yeah, the water drop time. But you you can do that by hitting any part of your skull, too. Because it creates a reverberation. All right, Kevin, question. All right, here we go. Uh, Are we going to read both of them? Uh, We'll do one one for sure. Let's see what we got. Uh, 23 question. Has anyone done more with less than Andy Richter? (laughs) All he has done for the last 25 years is ride on Conan's coattails, which, let's be honest, aren't that long. The only good thing Conan has done since The Simpsons is get fired from The Tonight Show. At least Andy has arrested development in his credits. Maybe Conan has uh, done more with less disgust. Thanks, Kevin. P.S. Mom Corp. had nothing to do with Slurm. I believe that is addressed to Craig. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Haven't watched the episode. You know, it hasn't been on for 12 years or How am I supposed to keep that, that show in The Simpsons separate? He talks about The Simpsons, Simpsons, and then he talks about Slurm. So, of know. course, I'm going to confuse the two. Mom Corp. wasn't Also, I've slurm? never really watched Futurama. Sorry. What was the question again? Has anyone done more with less than Andy Richter? There's there. <laughs> I'm just going to hand there. this one off to you guys because I'm <clears throat> frankly feeling a little salty about the slurm comment. Ooh. This, <laughs> <laughs> I, first of all, I'm going to defend Conan O'Brien. I, you know, this is a guy who wrote some of the funniest episodes of The Simpsons. So, I mean, it's I'm going to I'm going to go to his defense. Plus the the video of him driving ice cube and kevin hart through compton i haven't seen this but it sounds good oh 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 look that up (laughs) because if only if only i don't know how much of it was staged i almost don't care but i really do want it to be true if only for the moment where they're all you know um conan's driving kevin ice cube is in the back seat and kevin hart is in the passenger seat and at one point in compton they pull up to a stop sign and a cop pulls up to Conan's left and Conan in the eternal white man mode waves at the cop and Kevin Hart seriously seems to want to tear his head off <laughs> for attracting attention. <laughs> yes. It's like, do, do, do not wave at the police. <laughs> what is the matter? I, I will, I will leave you out here with your skinny white self. You know, um, so, so yeah, I, I'm going to defend Conan O'Brien, but more with less. That is a long, long list. I mean, it stretches back to Fred Mertz. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to start naming people. Charles Nelson Riley, Thank Paul you. Lind, Ruth Buzzy, Okay, Charo. you will leave Paul Lind. Paul Lind is off the list. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, Paul, Paul Lind has never done anything wrong as long as he drew breath. But Charo wow, big is fan in of Paul Char- Lind, all right. <laughs> in a metal brassiere. The, um, Don't the, you uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. Everybody's, everybody's, he was the symbol of everybody's closeted gay uncle. He was everybody's first gay man stereotype. Before yeah, you really knew just, but, what the gay man stereotype was for a lot of people. But, but the thing is, the thing is, though, and it's actually a little sadder to me, and I've never had a broad conversation with this about anybody that's credible to speak on the subject, but he's always struck me as, we had gay people all the time when we were kids. They were all around us, but they couldn't be themselves. Yeah. And we all, and I know of many families that had that uncle that everybody ne- knew. Never married. Right? Oh, he's a bachelor, sweetie. You know? Confirmed bachelor. But he's just got the best taste in clothes, mama. 
you know, and and so so Paul Lind off the radar. But yeah, Fred Mertz and Charles, you know, Charo is in Sharknado. Okay, my point made right there. <laughs> I, I'm agree. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. It's like so the idea that we should go after Andy Richter for being a marginal talent that's milked it for a generation. <laughs> I mean, I, that's that. I think actually he may be at the top. And maybe that's Kevin's question: Has he been? Is he the top of the mediocrity mountain? He's he's on he's on the slopes. <laughs> on which, on which, you know, well, you know what this 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 slides back at least to Salieri, if the if the Amadeus argument be true. <laughs> Salieri, Jesus Christ, Jim! <laughs> Everybody likes a good Amadeus joke. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> Next question. That's as far as we're probably getting with that. Oh, um, I don't know. That, I don't know that we have time to do another one. All right, we'll do two with Kurt next week. Okay, right? that's Kurt's next week. Maybe. But I was just. I just wanted to uh, point out that um, without without Andy Richter, Chris Elliott would not have become the cabin boy <laughs> on the ship. You know what? You know what? Chris Elliott is the top of that mountain. I'm talking about somebody that has no discernible ability and has milked it into his... It's Chris Elliott. That's the answer? I will, def- I will defend this. All right. Well, we worked our way around to it. There you go, Kevin. I, just, I, I seriously got mad. I just got mad. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. Craig, I'm going to say this about you, not just because you're on the radio. You're a funny, talented guy. You have abilities. You and I worked with people at the Renaissance Fair funny, talented people who, for whatever reason, luck, ambition, however, never went anywhere, you know, didn't get that sort of a shot. And it offends me (laughs) that a guy with, I mean, seriously, let's not talk about us. Let's talk about two people, Craig, you and I both know. Jeff McClain and Alan Vucicevic. Oh, yeah, okay. When they were performing, when they're performing with each other, they could make a stump laugh, okay? (laughs) They were that funny. They were that good. And they never, you know, and, and as Red Button said, never got a show. And, you know, and the idea that Chris Elliott has any kind of career and these two insanely talented people don't is a manifestation that, no, there is no universal plan. There just isn't. <laughs> the thing that, that irritates me is that Chris Elliott got a lead role. TV show. Mm-hmm. He, yes! he wasn't just the funny guy who was there in, you know, there's something about Mary <laughs> with the skin condition. Like with, the, <laughs> with the giant white head on his eyeball. Yeah. No, he got, Whoa. he was, he was, he, he got a show that was about him. Uh huh. He got a oh. movie that was about him. Yep. I just, oh, he sits alone upon, oh, he sits alone on top of that pile of skulls. What's Chris oh Elliott God. been up to lately? <laughs> On this throne of bones. Oh, my God. Oh, and for the record, Jim, uh, I, I suspected this, and so I looked it up. Um, uh, Walt Disney Productions in was responsible for the film The Black Hole. So, Uh-huh. They're, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they, were, they were, you know. They were, Takes they, one to know one. <laughs> hiding, hiding in plain sight. There you go. Well, if you're watching the shows on the Netflix, well, actually, you know what? He was on How I Met Your Mother there for some guest spots, if you recall. Yeah, he was uh, Lily's dad. Um, If you're watching the Netflix right now, he apparently has a uh, guest star spot on an episode of Friends from College. Friends from College, okay. Which is a new show on Netflix starring Colby Smulders. 
and among other people. He was in uh, Schitt's Creek with yes. uh, Eugene Levy. Anyway, I guess that does it. <laughs> he was in Nurse, ja- I, Nurse Jackie as well. He's been around. He was in Nurse Jackie? <laughs> yeah. Why don't I remember that? <laughs> Do you have an oubliette I can borrow so I can forget that, please? Oubliette? Yes, I'll mail that to you. Or I'll yeah. nail it to the church door. Bringing it around! Oh! <laughs> um, just a quick heads up. If you're listening to this in the first few days after it comes out, if you have friends who want to check out Murders and Acquisitions, the PDF is available for 25% off at RP, uh, roll, uh, drive-thru-rpg.com right now because it's Christmas in July. Ooh. And there are hundreds Ooh. of digital titles, 25% off. So not only my game, you can check out other games as well. Um, and it's worth noting quick comment here too. Derek Kamal, friend of the show, been on the show a couple times. Yep. He makes games too. He announced this past week that, um, he's going to be doing a Kickstarter for a game that's uh, built on the fate game system. Oh, wow. If you're a gamer person, you know what that is. If it's, if you're not a gamer person, it's a, it's a dice system. Um, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's called, Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse. Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse? Yes. I love it! It's about mice and their motorcycle clubs. I've playtested it. It's really fun. (laughs) Is he coming on the show? (laughs) I think we can probably uh, work something out. And um, there is a 100% chance that somebody you've listened to on this show, other than Derek, at some point during the run of the show, Uh uh somebody that you've listened to at least one time, is also helping Derek on that project. Oh. Who could that be? Hmm, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> hmm? 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 We'll have to wait for announcements. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Jim, thanks for swinging by. Always yes. a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank, thank you again. And hey, uh, stick around for a couple of minutes after. I have something I have to tell you that I can't talk about on the internet. Sweet. <laughs> do I do I have to go? No, no. You, I, oh, you, you okay. need to hear this too. Okay. Or you, you'll want to. Jim, where can they find us? <laughs> I'm what? kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Mike, Mike, where can they find us? What the Sam hell? <laughs> Go, Mike. Well, I don't know. Does Jim want to do it? <laughs> don't, don't, don't. No, okay. They can find us at NerdBurgerShow.com, at NerdBurgerShow on the Twitters and the Facebook. Email us, NerdBurgerShow at gmail.com. Go to iTunes and give us a review for yeah, five stars or that'd, something. That'd be nice. We've got eight. We would like nine. Double digits, maybe. Woohoo! A boy can dream. And <laughs> and uh already talked about drive through RPG. Um and you can go to nerdburgergames.com for game stuff. <laughs> On the next episode of Nerdburger, Mike and Craig do the entire episode in movie quotes. So start warming up. Okay. Yeah, baby. Show me the money. I've got a bad feeling about this. Houston, we have a problem. 